Yeah, you know what you can get me, Pee Wee? What? El hombre. First of all, as a service to the listeners, this is an absolute forget about it. El hombre. He's a pariah. I mean, it's like going after raindrops on roses and whiskers on kittens. El hombre. It is that time you look forward to each and every week, every Tuesday at 5 o'clock. We bring in this man, the one, the only, El Hombre. Michael Bradley joining us on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. How are you, sir? What's up? <laughs> What's up? That was a great campaign back in the day. Remember that? It really was. I loved it. What was that? Was that Budweiser? Or what? Yes, Bud Light. Budweiser. Bud Light? Yeah. No, Budweiser. It was not Bud Light. Are you sure? One hundred percent. Okay. I just like by the end of it, the guys are just going. Ah, yeah, exactly. Ah. Just, and it would be the quick cuts of like five of them just going. Ah, ah, ah. Genius. So didn't it get obnoxious at the end though? A little well, bit. yeah. That's why it's over. Yeah. Yeah. It was just one of those one of those ad campaigns that stuck around and worked its way into pop culture there. But uh, Michael, what do you what do you make of everything going on in the way of uh, franchise tags, quarterback deals? I'm curious. <clears throat> we, we'll talk about the Gino one here, but. But uh, one that I'm sure you kept an eye on is a division rival. The Giants give Danny Dimes a whole bunch of dimes. This guy's got a lot of money coming his way. And you look at his numbers and going, yeah, he can run the ball really well, 708 yards and seven touchdowns. But I don't see those passing numbers that warranted the kind of money he just got. Yeah, we're, we're very happy here. We want him <laughs> to be there for a long time. Uh, he's a good quarterback. He's not a great quarterback. I don't know if he'll ever be a great quarterback, but I think what, what everything showed from Geno Smith getting the deal with, uh, uh, with the Seahawks, from Derek Carr going down to New Orleans, Danny Dimes hanging around in New York, the, uh, the, the Ravens' decision to you know, put, put uh, Lamar Jackson in a situation where you know, he's going to make $32 million if he sticks around, but he can test the market. It shows you just how important the quarterback position is. And I also think it shows you there's a real lack of desire to participate in this year's draft in terms of quarterbacks. You know, the, the young is short. Stroud is an Ohio State quarterback. Nobody's ever made it out of there. <laughs> uh, the, the Anthony Richardson should be in the decathlon, but not at under center. And Will Levis or Levi's or however you pronounce his name <laughs> is erratic as hell. So, so I'm seeing mock drafts that have four quarterbacks taken in the top seven. And it's astounding to me that it's going to happen because I don't think any of them is going to be any good. Do you think uh, maybe this is a lot of the hype? Because, you know, we're watching the Combine. There was, you know, the, the Combine guys and the mock draft guys, they, they're making a big deal out of it, right? And, it's, and rightfully so, because it is. But I, I just wonder if uh, behind the scenes, the rest of the NFL and some of the serious uh, people in, in the league, other than DaCosta, the guy in Baltimore, uh, you know, that, they're they're thinking the same thing as you that they're they're probably not going to be picking these guys. Yeah, you said and rightly so. No, not and rightly so. This is we have a month and a half, you know, and a few days until the draft. And basically, what this is is that ESPN and NFL Network have to sell the draft. Yeah. So they're going to try to make it seem as if this draft has a lot of great players in it. Right. It doesn't at the top. None of, as I said, none of these quarterbacks, is, is, in my opinion, is going to be a star. Yeah, Will Anderson from Alabama, outside linebacker, he's going to be great. The kid from Georgia, who we everybody thought was going to be great, now we get character issues with him. There's some cornerbacks that are pretty strong, but they've never been sexy enough to drive draft coverage. So this is a cottage industry that has sprung up that has now become big business. So 
as fans, you should you should be very much aware that whatever you're hearing about these players is straight-on hype to try to get you to consume as much draft coverage as you can and then watch in at the end of April. There we go. Rightfully so. Just as I said. <laughs> That's what you want to do. So. They shouldn't be pimping these guys. They're all, they're all horribly flawed. <laughs> Well, who, you you brought up Richardson, and he was the story of the draft. Everybody marveling at his forty and his high jump and all these things. And and we all knew he was an incredible athlete going in. And I I find it hard to believe any GM's mind was changed by that part of it. His his biggest concern is his accuracy fifty three point eight percent completion percentage last year. That's brutal. And and we just had Brock Heward sitting in with us, and he was talking about going through all his game tape, saying he'd make this brilliant throw that only. Patrick Mahomes or, or Josh Allen could make, but then the very next play he'd sail it over the guy who's wide open, you know, by ten feet over his head or whatever. Just you know, inexplicably inconsistent. How how worrisome is that when you look at that? Astoundingly, astoundingly worrisome. <laughs> if you're only completing fifty three percent of your passes in today's college football world, you are inept, and, and I and I don't say that lightly. The, the rules, the system. You should complete 60% just getting out of bed with your eyes closed. The really good ones are completing 70. So for, for him to complete 53%, and I saw some of his throws he made at the combine behind guys, you know, make it, making guys jump for him on simple outs with no defenders on him, throwing against air. This is not an impressive quarterback. It's an impressive athlete. And we'll see. Somebody's going to spend a very high draft pick on him and win the press conference. You know, the GM's going to be able to stand there next to this 6'4, 242 guy, pound guy who can run like the wind and jump like a pogo stick. But it's like <laughs> that big deal. What does he do when he gets under center? And I mean, for Bryce Young to be 6'5, 10, and 3 eighths or whatever it is. That's that's in the sort of in the flutie range. He's going to have to bring a step stool out there with him. Yeah, it's. I was going to ask you about him specifically because that's a tough one. You know, we just heard from from Brock that you know out at the combine he's just a wizard up on the on the grease board. You know, he yeah. understands the game. He sees it so well. You know, but. Man, I mean that would be a that would be a tough one if you're. I mean, I, I like to not discriminate against you know the, the quarterbacks as far as height goes, but you know because we had one here that was pretty damn good for you know what, what was Russ five ten five ten and five eighths. Yeah, and I believe Young is five ten and one eighth. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and look, I'm, I'm not saying it's impossible, but that that is a big red flag. Yeah, and and you you know there's a lot of things that come from that. Now your offense has to be different in terms of how are you dropping him back? Are you rolling him out more? Are you moving the pocket? Are you putting him in? How how are you blocking? You know, I, I was funny. I was at my um, high school this past August at a scrimmage, and they put the second string quarterback in who was about five nine, and it was hilarious. He dropped back to pass, and there's no possible way he saw any receivers because his linemen were all six four. So it's it's not easy to do. He's going to have to move around a lot. You're going to need a system and a coach that is ready to say, all right, we will we will adjust, we will adapt, etc. It can happen. I'm not saying it, it it doesn't. It won't happen. But he he brings some questions with him. Hmm. Well, so when you look at the at the top of this draft, and the Seahawks are sitting there with a the number five overall pick, and we've got no idea what they're going to do, quarterback, defensive, uh, you know, defensive tackle. Maybe they trade out of it. Is there a player you look at and go, man, if that guy is there at five, you take him? Will Anderson. 
I mean, if, if he's there, I would take him. He's 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 a high producing player who can he'll make a lot of tackles. He'll he'll make a lot of tackles for loss. He he's a really really good player. I don't know if he'll be there. Do not draft a quarterback. You have a quarterback for the next three years. And look look at what has happened with the position in the last three or four years. The number of of, of places that have new quarterbacks. This is all of a sudden becoming a musical chairs game. So in, if, if Geno Smith can, can produce for another couple years and, and you don't have to get into this carousel where, where quarterbacks are changing places and getting paid outrageous amounts of money, you're in great shape. So if you get two more years of Geno Smith at a high level or a relatively high level and you can bolster other parts of your, uh, your roster with, with draft picks, absolutely do it. How was that sort of seen by someone like you who is on the other side of the country, you know, Geno Smith, kind of a one-year wonder, same thing during, you know, uh, free agency. Was was he a guy that you just were too skeptical of because of his, his career and how, how it unfolded? Yeah, his body of work is too slim. But uh, but look, getting him for three years and not six, that's that's a, a good deal. I, I, I think that any Seahawks fan should be able to live with that because here's the alternative. There's, there's, two, there's two other options. A, you, you have to pay him for five or six years, which you definitely don't want to do. And B, now you throw your hat back into the quarterback world and have to take one of these highly imperfect rookies mm-hmm. or now try to say, can we get Jimmy Garoppolo uh, or enter the, the absolute insanity that is the Brett Favre sweepstakes, which could end with him playing backup quarterback for the Mongolian yak hunters or something as he eats you know, hallucinogens and, and, and envisions his world moving forward. Freudian slip there. That was uh, Aaron Rodgers saga. What did I say? You said Brett Favre, which he's following. He's following the game plan, though, going from Green Bay to the Jets. Why would you go to the Jets? And why do the Jets want this guy? I mean, that's my question. I get it. He can he can really play well, but he's a lunatic. He's 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 going to be he's going to be a problem in the locker room. He's just strange, and nobody likes him. His family doesn't like him. I get the impression his teammates are not all that fond of him. He just seems weird. And you're going to pay him $50 million to come into a largely young team and say, okay, here's the missing piece, everybody. And, and, and then Rodgers is going to come in and do silly stuff. I mean, I, I would imagine he must be really weird in the locker room. So I, I don't know. If I'm, if I'm the Jets, I'd go after Garoppolo. I know that you guys don't like him there because of the San Francisco thing. But if he stays healthy, I think he wins games. Yeah, I I don't disagree with that. I kind of like Garoppolo. We we sort of, you know, we're we're talking about him last year, thinking mm-hmm. it would be palatable to to bring him up here. But yeah, Jimmy G just sort of he's really really good looking too. That's the <laughs> yeah. And, and, and look, here's the thing: if and if you if he shows up and he plays well, you're sticking it up the nose of the uh, Patriots also, who had him and now have Mac Jones, who seems to be a very mediocre quarterback yeah. it would be it would be perfect and and you can get garoppolo for several years far you i mean imagine that okay you have a good year you make it to the playoffs. Say you win a playoff game. Everybody's excited. And then Favre goes, I'm going to go sit in a sewer for, I mean, it's not Favre. Rogers says, I'm going to go sit in a sewer for six days and try to commune with the rats and figure out what my future is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he really did get strange. I talk to Bob all the time about, you know, how money makes you weird. 
You know, when you get that much, like you'd never have to struggle. You never have to want like you could pay anybody to do anything. And I, I just I, I wonder what that feeling must be like. And some people can handle handle it. Some can't. But it seems like he's gotten really weird. Yeah, really I, weird. I, I mean, he's a smart guy. He went to Cal. He, he graduated from there. I mean, yeah, it's not an easy place to get out of. Um, I mean, you know, in four years with a degree, you could get thrown well, out of it in a Cal, semester. Cal produces quarterbacks that don't know which side of the earth the sun rises <laughs> on. Yeah, so. that's a good point. I forgot about that. But, <laughs> you know, it, this is and, – and the problem is that we're spending time talking about this guy. It goes back – I forget who it was. It might have been Ryan Clark. I, I really can't remember who said that – that Rodgers is more interested in the drama than he is in winning games. I think at this point now he wants a reality show. Yeah. He wants to be, be be part of all that stuff. And oh yeah, by the way, I'm going to go play some football starting in August. So what do you, what do you make of? Uh, there's uh, obviously other news going on outside of the combine, and and the Lamar Jackson thing is interesting to me because everything I've read, and who knows what's actually true, but that they're not so much haggling over dollar the overall dollar amount it's he wants everything guaranteed the way Deshaun yep. Watson's deal is guaranteed and now the Browns are supposedly talking to Watson about restructuring his deal already so it doesn't seem a, a good avenue for a team to do that if you're if you're in charge of the funds in Baltimore and you look at Lamar who's electric and explosive but he's been hurt the past two years he's missed what'd you say they have nine games total combined yeah. the past two years and that's just how he plays you... No, he's missed, I think he's missed 10 because he's played 12, and it's been two years with 17 games. Okay, all right, so he's, 10 he's games. He's missed 10. He, in the last three years, he's thrown 39 touchdown passes and 29 interceptions. He completes 64% of his passage, which is good, not great. And when they showed highlights of him today on NFL Live in, on ESPN, most of them were him running. Mm. So to me, he's, a, he's a, a good to very good quarterback who has availability issues, and who is not necessarily going to going to be somebody who completes seventy percent of his throws and is going to be you know that that reliable that way? And a lot of his value comes from his running. And if you if you look at it, you know he's not going to get you ten touchdowns running. He 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 didn't he hasn't done that at all. I mean his last three years his rushing touchdowns he went seven, then he went two and three. His rushing yards have dropped from twelve hundred to a thousand to seven hundred to seven hundred. So he's not going to be running as as often. Um, it's just, you know, and if he wants forty million dollars a year, all guaranteed for five years, he wants, you know, that that's a lot. He'll probably want more. That's a lot of money, and that's a lot of investment, and that's a lot of guaranteed dough that you got to throw to somebody who who has missed ten games the last two seasons. Hey, uh, I don't know if you got a chance to respond to this, uh, Eric DaCosta, who's the uh, GM of the Ravens. Just the way he answered this question where they were asking him about his receivers, he said, if I had an answer, that would probably mean I would have some better receivers. I mean, this is this is like he's being interviewed, I think, by, by a newspaper or something. We're going to keep swinging. They've been, uh, there have been some guys that have been successful players for us that were draft picks, but we've never really hit on that all-pro type of guy. Talk about bad people skills, man. That is That is incredible to say about – you know, and especially you're sort of impugning yourself because yeah, right. why didn't you draft better wide receivers, right? 
that that's what I'm thinking first. It's like, okay, throw your receivers under the bus, but you know, make sure that you're under the front tire also because you're the one who drafted these guys. It's 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 kind of funny to hear that. You don't usually hear a, a personnel uh, anybody in the personnel department ripping the the roster because they're the ones who put them together. Yeah. Um, coach, that's usually coaches who do that because they're like, hey, if we had better receivers, they would have been or you know or quarterbacks. Um, it's strange, but I, I I think that we're we're at a point with the NFL right now where so much of of everything that's going on, especially with the the, the marquee and the and the more noticeable and um, you know recognizable players, is turning into individual stuff, and and that's why you see the same teams again and again who are you know, succeeding at the top, it, you got to have the right blend of talent and people who want to do what is necessary to win. And I think sometimes the people who are writing the checks and, 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 you know, negotiating the contracts get a little frustrated because people aren't delivering on what they thought, you know, what the promise was going to be. Hey, what kind of money do you think? And I know it's hard to speculate where these numbers go for quarterbacks, but you've got Joe Burrow, I think, is going to be an incredible test case oh. to see what the, what the limits are of, of salary caps and numbers being given to a quarterback. And then the guy out there in Philly and Jalen Hurts is, you know, you've had the owner talk about how he's he's earned a massive raise and all of that. What do you what do you think you're looking at neighborhood wise? Hurts is going to get somewhere around forty-four or forty-five million a year. I don't know how much of it'll be guaranteed, but but he has to. He, you know, if he didn't get hurt against Chicago, there's a good chance he wins the MVP. Um, he takes his team to the Super Bowl. His his performance this year was was well above what he had done to this point. So it's clear that he's on 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 the uh, rise. Um, and as we've said, how many times on this program, <laughs> you need a quarterback that can help you win, and there aren't many of them. So. It looks like the Eagles have one. Burrow, I think Burrow could make fifty, and and all guaranteed. So it's it's going to be you know you sign your deal today and you're disappointed tomorrow because the next guy makes more than you. You know you can't be upset about that. That's that's how it goes. So I think Burrow's going to going to just go. He may go past Mahomes. I would imagine that uh, from the the, the uh, agents that there's a lot of coaching going on as far as hey. Next year, like what you just said, Michael, next year, this is going to sound cheap, okay? But we just have to realize the salary cap's going up, and, you know, because it's just amazing. Every year, it, it notches up. And well, yeah, absolutely, and that's, that's what everybody's counting on. It's the same thing in the NBA. I, mean, I remember when James Harden signed a deal that, that paid him like $42 million a year. Now there's a bunch of guys making that money, and it's, it's just as the and, – and look – I don't begrudge the players a dime of it because if if they're if the, if the the salary cap goes up, that means the teams are making more money, right. and the uh, franchises are appreciating at about ten to twelve percent a year. So people don't realize that one of the things that you can do if you're an owner sitting on a four billion dollar asset, everybody says, well, it's only worth four billion once you sell it. Yeah, but you can borrow against it. You know, if the bank the bank knows where it can get its money, if you default on a ten million dollar loan or a hundred million dollar loan for some project that you're trying to do, they'll take it right out of your percentage of the team. So, so the value that these these teams have, the the amounts of money that are being made, the gambling sponsorship dough that's coming in, the TV money. Every time there's a new contract, it gets more and more obscene. I don't begrudge the players a penny. Go get what you can because the owners sure as heck are. Hey, have you been? Uh paying much attention to spring training baseball or do you only focus when the real season starts 
Heck no, I'm watching games every day. I've got uh, I, I've got uh, the the TV. You know, you saw the TV, the 1989 Sharp. <laughs> yeah. It's tuned to Major League <laughs> MLB Network. It's it's is that the one with the big magnifying glass in front of it. Is that right? No, no, that's not. Oh. I'm not there yet. But this is. I'm look. I'm watching it right now. I got the Northern Kentucky Cleveland State on in glorious low def. It's great. Mm. Are you are um, you, you going to be watching the WBC or what about that? Uh, oh yeah, I'll watch it. Yeah. I mean, I, it's hard. It's hard for me to get excited about that kind of stuff. I don't watch a lot of baseball outside of the, the Phillies, but you know, I'm def, I'll definitely have it on while I'm working. Okay. Hey, what about uh, March Madness? We got March Madness coming up, and Bob is recommending, and I'm gonna I'm gonna do this. So we got a day off tomorrow. I'm gonna do my my research and everything. But before that, I'm just gonna go through and when they get a bracket, anyway, uh, I'm gonna just fill out. Okay, I'm gonna pick that team, or I'm gonna pick that team. No research. Yeah, just no gut research. Instinct. And and often Bob has had the same experience as me that the one that has no research does better than the other. Yeah, one. Yeah, I mean, unless you're picking Arkansas peanut butter or pine bluff or whatever it is <laughs> you got to be careful that you don't pick some 14 seed to go to the final four right arkansas so, peanut butter well, I, I gotta give credit to my son on that one he, he we were watching it was arc dosh pb and he's like what's that arkansas peanut butter so, you got you can't be picking 14 seeds to go but this year is going to be zany it's going to be it's going to be wacky because I, I you could see number one seeds losing in the second weekend the eights or nines you you can see a sweet 16 that has a whole bunch of double digit seeds in there because you got you know nobody has really distinguished itself as as a, a standout superstar team now Houston I'll tell you if you if you said to me pick a final four right now I would throw Houston UCLA and Alabama in there um and then I'd start to worry, you know, wonder who else is going to be in there. Houston's like going to the proctologist. It's it's horrible. <laughs> it's just no fun playing that team. And UCLA's playing defense the way Mick Cronin's old Cincinnati teams did, mm-hmm. which is if they can score enough and Hawkes and, and um, Tiger Campbell are dangerous, they're going to be really good. And, and you know, Alabama's gotten past all of its nonsense and, and, and you know, um, legal uh, uh, peccadillos. So they're they're very dangerous as well because Miller's a he's a lottery pick. So they're really tough. But this is going to be crazy. So I think you're doing it right, Dave. Just pick them. Just pick whoever you like. You know, go by colors, nicknames, yeah. mascots, whatever. <laughs> just yeah. don't pick the Arkansas peanut butter. Don't, don't do take that. Arkansas peanut butter. Stay away from them. <laughs> yeah, but a lot of people are allergic to to peanut butter. That's so right. That that's yeah, right. You, well, just make sure you got one of those EpiPens with yeah. you. Yeah. It might it might be fearsome. It might be fearsome to some people. <laughs> He is El Hombre, Michael Bradley. You can find him on Twitter at Daily Hombre, at Daily Hombre on Twitter. And you find him here every Tuesday at 5 o'clock, spreading wisdom, just sharing his wisdom with the world, or at least the people of Seattle anyway. Uh, We appreciate it. As always, my friend, we will talk to you again next week. So long, suckers. There you go. If you missed any of uh, El Hombre or anything from the show today, Brock Heward, what have you, just a great day with Ryan Divish as well. It'll all be available on the podcast page after the show at seattlesports.com. Coming up, there's some updated numbers out on Geno's contract, and it bodes well for the Seahawks. We'll get into that next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710. Wyman and Bob. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. I was just looking at some of these 40 times. We we happen to be talking about a little graphic they put up at the Combine when uh, when uh, Anthony Richardson was running the 40-yard dash and how it compared to some recent quarterbacks. So he ran a 4-4-4. Four, four, four. 
Justin Herbert, a four six eight. That is a big dude as well. And then Josh Allen, a four seven five, and Patrick Mahomes in two thousand two thousand seventeen ran a four eight oh. He doesn't look that fast. Patrick. Yeah, he does he does not look that fat. I mean, he's certainly elusive and his legs are a problem. You see him getting away from guys. Maybe he's like tight ends. We always talk about tight ends, how the Kelsey doesn't look fat. Gronk doesn't look fast, yet there they are running by guys left and right. Well, he's just a totally unique player. I mean, I everybody else can try to do all the different things that he does, but I just he's almost like an artist. Yeah. You know, it's like he he's go has his own style of doing things, but <laughs> that was one of his nicknames on Pro Football Reference was Fatrick. And yeah. when you look at him, it's not like he's chiseled, you know, he doesn't have the Anthony Richardson body no. for sure. But man, can he get it done. Yeah, I just was looking talking to you about Justin Herbert and now he's trending I'm seeing on Twitter because everybody's saying, Look at Daniel Jones is getting forty and then there all these memes about his his uh agent is now celebrating doing Doing cartwheels and everything because if if Jones is getting forty million a year, what is what is Herbert and Burrow going to get? And yeah. Jalen Hurts, yeah, my goodness. And then somebody put this out there: Daniel Jones, uh, forty million dollars salary. Burrow, Herbert, Hurts, Lawrence, and Tua combined salary thirty three point five. Oh, it's nice. Remember the salad days when oh. Russ was in his. Second year, third year, yeah, it Goodness. was uh, it was nice. Yeah, I think it, I remember at one point when he took him. I think the year he took him to the Super Bowl, he made like uh, like six hundred thousand or five hundred thousand. Can you imagine? That's yeah. Oh, that's my gosh. Goodness, what a, what a blessing that is. So yeah, get ready for sticker shock when when Burrow hurts and and yeah. uh, and uh, Herbert get their new deals. Well, that's what I was saying to El Ombre. I mean, I I imagine these. These uh, agents got to coach their guys up. Like, hey, listen, now you, <laughs> we're signing this deal. This is a blockbuster deal, but you know, look down the road here. Look where the salary cap's going. And like Mike, Michael said, you know, when the salary cap's going up because the, the league is having tremendous success. So just be ready that there's going to be another kind of sticker shock when you know two years, three years from now, one of your compadres there signs a, a new deal. Yeah, it is. Goodness. All right. So we'll keep an eye on that. Meanwhile, uh, some of the numbers came out on Gino's deal, which made it a little more clear because all we heard yesterday was three years, 105 million, a chance to earn up to 52 million in year one. But then Mike Garofalo tweeted out uh, details earlier today. And basically it's a, it's a $25 million a year deal is where the, where it sits uh, with 40 million guaranteed. And then he's, he can earn 28 million in the first year of the deal and thirty million in incentives. So he's got a lot of incentives loaded into this contract, which we assumed. We just didn't know what they were. We still don't know what they are. What what he gets for, you know, again, Pro Bowl and maybe maybe games played, completion percentage, uh, you know, playoff wins, what have you. Does that affect? But real quick about the incentives before you move on. Does that affect how you think about him, about Gino? I mean, does it put you put him up a little bit? Like he's willing to to work for it. Yeah. It, but, in a way, I, I, part of me wonders if he had what his options were. Could he have hit the open market and gotten more than the, received more than this? I don't know. We we were talking a lot about that. Like, what's the demand for him out there versus everybody else? Could he have, you know? So he's essentially getting that twenty five million a year. That's the average annual value of this deal. Now it can increase based on his play. But was there a team out there that said, "No, we'll give you thirty a year, thirty five a year"? I don't know if that was out there. But I, I do like this makes it much more palatable to me 
personally, because I'm still one of those people I put myself in the, I'm rooting for him. Last year was amazing. I still have a level of skepticism. Can he continue to play something close? I'm not going to hold him to last year and say, you got to complete 70% of your passes and all that. No, but if he's in that neighborhood, I feel like it's a, it's a great deal, but we'll see. And then uh, Pete was on with uh, Brock and Salk this morning and talked about Gino's contract being heavy on incentives. Yeah, when when you guys get your chance and you really dig in, you'll see that it 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 is it is you know leaning that way. We're we're counting on him coming through and doing the things that he was able to do last year. And, and if he if he does that, he's going to get rewarded. And uh, we know that if that if he's able to come back and do that, he's going to have a great season, and we're going to be in great shape. We're going to have a real chance to be at the best at our best. So um, it is heavily structured that way, and. Uh, you know, I know he, he he's gambling a little bit in that sense on himself. You know, this was part of it and uh, throughout. So it's a it's a really strong part of the contract, and and I think that's maybe why the ownership is so happy with it too. If you if you perform and you get it done, and you know, it, uh, gladly we would reward. You know, and so I th- I think that was a real combination of of thinking that that worked out for us. Yeah, it's. It feels like both sides got what they wanted. Now, maybe, I don't know what he had in mind, dollar figure-wise per year or what have you, but he still, we, we talked about, uh, he made $17.5 million in his entire career combined up until this contract. Mm-hmm. He's going to exceed that by almost double in the first, the, as soon as he signs on the dotted line. Yeah, you know, Mike said this to me before the, the show started, and I, I these were my sentiments anyway when they signed DK Metcalf. I felt like they got kind of a good deal with DK. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was a three-year, $72 million deal, and I was like, man, this guy is he, hes a huge superstar. And mm-hmm. I felt like they did a good job with that. But, but you know, and, and my question always is, you know, like I say to myself, oh, grow up, Dave. Come on. I mean, it's just <laughs> like... You know, but I'm thinking. I like to think that there's a certain percent. There's a certain percentage of it that is like because of goodwill. Like I like it here. Yeah. I like Pete. But like, grow up, Dave. Okay, it's three or five million dollars. You know, compared to what? <laughs> I mean, if it's if it's only that, and you're getting this huge contract, maybe you do give up. Uh, you know, some money to stay somewhere where you're you're liked and appreciated, and you like the way everything goes there. And I just. Yeah, I just wonder if there is that that number and what everybody's, you know, like you ask John about what their drop dead number is. I wonder what what theirs is. Like yeah. how much would I pay? How much would I leave on the table to go to a place where I love it? I like where I live, I like the people, I like, you know, the trainers and the staff and everything. I'm just curious what those numbers are in people's heads because this was this one was one that was pretty pretty team friendly, yeah. much like the DK Metcalf one. And I think, you know, a lot of it has to do with the communication that Pete talked about and, and all that and Matt Thomas doing a great job. But I do think that there's there's a lot of that for the Seahawks. At least that's what it seems like to me, because, you know, just from my perspective, I never thought that Gino would agree to something that would be three years at twenty five million. I never thought that DK would agree to something that would be, you know, three years, $72 million. Yeah, yeah. It's, it seems he, if he does close to what he did last year, we'll, we'll see the breakdown whenever it comes out. But he puts himself in a great position to make a lot more money, but he's already making more in year one than he made in his entire career combined. So if, I feel like it's easier to be happy even if you didn't have the outside pursuit of teams and you give another year like that. All of a sudden, you know, this looks like a really reasonable deal, and then he's going to be hitting the open market fairly quicker than you know. 
and being being able to cash in on that if he can be consistent. So we'll we'll see. But it does, I think, for a lot of people, make it much more palatable. All right, coming up, there are a few guys who stood out to us at the Combine. We'll take a look at a couple of these guys. Coming up with Wyman and Bob, this is Seattle Sports on 710. Wyman and Bob. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Played some cuts from Pete Carroll's interview with uh, Brock and Salk in the last segment. There was one we didn't get to that you want to hear, right, Dave? Yeah, this this is is in relation to Geno Smith. This is a question that a lot of people have been asking, and yeah, it's a fair one, right? Um, I don't know why you don't think that. I mean, if you're a player or a coach going into a season, you always think that you can go to the Super Bowl and win it with the guys that you have. Yeah, and that's the question, and I asked you that on the on the show sheet last night. Just you feel like this is a guy that can take you there and win a Super Bowl, and Pete was asked that this morning. Here's what he had to say. Can you win a Super Bowl during Geno Smith's contract? Heck yeah, we could. Heck yeah, we can. He He's going to do his part. We got to do the, We have a lot of work to do. We have a lot of stuff we have to get done. We have a, a, a lot of decisions to make this extraordinary draft coming up has been ongoing, too, and we haven't left that topic either. You know, that's been ongoing. So there's multiple <laughs> topics like just like i like a lot of balls in the air at the same time but, you know let, let the music play and let's you know let's be dancing let's do the whole thing well that's what's going on and and uh but the the focus right now obviously is continuing the evaluations for the draft but free agency is is at hand he's got let's just the way i like it a lot of balls in the air let the music play and let's start dancing he's <laughs> incredible and i mean the energy level like i'm gonna go home uh, and i'll probably get on the treadmill and then I'm going to sit on my fat butt <laughs> and I'm starting at about 8.30 and find something to watch on TV. But Pass yeah, out I mean, on the couch. Do you it, ever picture Pete just laying on the couch, bag of chips, just dozing, waking up, dozing? No, <laughs> yeah, no, I don't see that. Or somebody going, Pete, get up. No, I need to sleep in. Yeah. No, that's not happening. But it's kind of a weird question, you know, where um, you, you go, I, I mean, I'm not overly of course he is right but the question you know can Gino take you to and win a Super Bowl and I'm like yeah I guess I mean I I think so I mean he's not he's not Patrick Mahomes but like he's a really efficient player and I'm just curious to see like he needs some help man I mean the defense I think Stacy had a a stat today I I meant to ask her this but um you know it was something about um opposing rushers having their season high, I think, against our defense. So I can see, obviously, Josh Jacobs. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know about the two guys. There was two guys that ran for 75 yards against, uh, I think it was the the Panthers. Panthers. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm not sure if that's that's right. I don't think Eckler, when they played the Chargers, did overly well. But, yeah, there were some – I mean, point is, they got to stop the run, man. They, they need to be able to do that and really help Geno out. So – but, I mean, you know, look, a lot of people thought that uh, Brock Purdy could take me included. I thought that they were the best team by far. They had, like, a, what, 10 or 11-game winning streak San Francisco did? Who who did we talk to that was – it was KJ. And when we had KJ in studio and he said if Brock Purdy didn't get hurt, he felt like we'd be talking about the Super Bowl champion 49ers. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, look – I mean, I, I think Gino. I would value Gino much more than Brock Purdy. I think he's. I think he's a good player, no question. But um, yeah, I think Gino's better than that. But he's just surrounded by a lot more. So I mean, you know, that's always not fair to to certain quarterbacks like Dan Marino. You know, oh, he never won a Super Bowl. Well, 
There's a lot to do with the what's built around you. Certainly. I mean, you saw that with Matthew Stafford. Well, yeah, and mm-hmm. couldn't get it done in Detroit, and no. then yeah, some of the, some of the other uh, load up in L.A. and he wins the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, and really, look, it was only Russ's second year, so it's not like you're asking him to do everything. But they had a really good run game and uh, just a great defense, historic defense. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a. Uh, I don't know who you would point to and say, well. Even with a garbage defense, this guy is going to win you a Super Bowl. Yeah. I don't know if even if Mahomes could do that. I mean, right. yeah, you feel like he's got a better chance of doing it than other quarterbacks, and maybe eventually that'll be, you know, Joe Burrow and Josh Allen, you know, these guys we've been talking about. But you you need all the parts is the point. I, I can't think of anybody even in their prime, you know, Aaron Rodgers, whoever you think, could Tom Brady do it on his own if he didn't have, a you know, all the pieces around him? I just don't I don't know who's capable of doing that. Yeah. Well, so you it, do need, to your point, yeah, the pieces on both sides of the ball need to be there. Yeah, maybe not at the the 49ers seem like they're just loaded across the board on both sides of the ball, and Purdy can just sit comfortably and do what he does. Basically, don't screw it up. Go out there and make, make the open throws and don't screw this up and turn it over. Well, and another question on the other side of that would be, name a quarterback that couldn't. To, if you have the number one defense, you have a really, really good running game. I mean, is there a quarterback out there that you just could not win with, even if he's surrounded by top end, you know, 2013 defense from the Seahawks and, you know, a, a run game that, uh, you know, is just off the charts? Jameis Winston. Yeah, because he throw it to the other guys. Throw it to the other guys. No, no, he got he got the uh, he got the LASIK, laser huh? <laughs> Lasix thing. Yeah, but I mean, you know, I, I just it, it's just not fair to quarterbacks, I think. And, yeah. and to ask that question, yeah, absolutely, you could. I mean, is he he had the same kind of year? Maybe I I have to look at Russ's stats, but in 2013, when they had the number one defense and mm-hmm. really good run game. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure I I'm sure that Geno had better completion percentage than Russ did that year. So yeah. yeah. I mean, just depends, but and I, I, I don't know that question right there. Just kind of, it's like, how do you answer that? I mean, I just like if you'd asked last year, you know, who's going to be the quarterback? I was like, well, I don't know, man. This Drew Locke kid looks pretty good. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe, maybe it's him. So, but now, I mean, if if Gino what takes him to the playoffs and they even win, and he has a game that's, or I'm sorry, a season that's similar to what he had last year, are you like, yeah, I'm on the Gino train? Yeah. I think by then, then all of a sudden you start going, buddy's getting up in his years, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's yeah. You're right that it's not fair to look at. Can this guy win the Super Bowl? It's more about you know if everybody needs the right pieces. Some need it to a larger extent, like we just talked about. Purdy, a last guy in the draft, a rookie. Yeah, you need a big security blanket there. Whereas other guys maybe don't need as much, but you still have to have those pieces in place to an extent. And, you know, I would say this, you know, if you're comparing, you know, Russ or Gino, Russ was able to allow this team to put money elsewhere, not in their O-line. They had had some pretty shabby O-lines, but he and Marshawn, I'm not trying to discount Marshawn, their ability to do what they did and Russ's ability to run and keep the play alive. I mean, he had a season where he ran for 849 yards. Russell is the leading was that rusher that year? Was that the year? No, no, no. He was a leading rusher the year they had Mike Davis as their leading running back rusher. But it was yeah. I mean, so his ability to keep a play alive, scramble, yeah. you know, avoid the rush. Marshawn's ability to run the ball the way he did allowed them to kind of get away with hide some more. You know, Jamarcus Webb and Bradley Sowell and 
you know, all all Luke Jokel and all these guys they had on the old line where he was like, what is Paul McQuiston? And it, it was just kind of a hodgepodge of guys that they were throwing out there before they, they've really gotten it dialed in. So it, now is Gino that guy? Can he, if he had that kind of line from, probably not. He's not as mobile. He's not, he's not that kind of player. But that that's the only difference, distinction I would draw is, is okay, yeah, maybe this guy individually can't take you, but he can allow you to maybe put Hide your resources things. elsewhere and, and cover up some warts, if you will. Yeah. This is a great day today, Bob. You get to end it by complaining about the old offensive line of the Seahawks. <laughs> That's right. Anytime I go is... complain about those guys, I'm going to take that opportunity by God. You even remember their names. Bradley Sal, I forgot Jamarcus Webb. Jamarcus Webb was their highest paid lineman when he was here, and he was yeah. making just over $3 million. So that tells you what they had invested in the line. <laughs> he was. He was making just over three million. It was like it was like three seven or three eight, something like that. It was so it was. It didn't it was seem over. that long ago, and those guys are getting robbed. I mean, yeah, a front line guard now. Yeah, Luke Jokel, I think, made seven million when he was here. Holy smoke! Goodness gracious! All right, that does it for us. You got the Mariners Cactus League report coming up next, and uh, we've got tomorrow off. We've got Mariner baseball, and we've got what? What else is going? Oh, Pac twelve tournament, right? The Cougs yeah, are playing. Studying Go Cougs, now. baby. Cougs are playing tomorrow, so we have no show tomorrow. So we are going to be back on Thursday. We're going to have Paul Moyer. We're going to have John Morosi and, of course, the John Schneider Show. So we got a packed show already coming up on Thursday. So hopefully you guys have a great day tomorrow. Thanks to our guest today, though. Really fun to talk to Ryan Divish, talk to Brock Heward, and talk to El Hombre, Michael Bradley. If you missed any of that, head to the podcast page, seattlesports.com. Click the podcast tab, click on our picture, and it's right there waiting for you as it is each and every day. And as you hear Wyman and Lefko tell you every time, click subscribe. That's the key to the whole thing. Have a great night, everybody. We will talk to you on Thursday right here with Wyman and Bob, Seattle Sports on 710.